0: Welcome, my friends, to another episode of Redefining Reality. Today, we dive into something very near and dear to my heart, or rather to my gut. And that is the whole topic of abdominal adhesions, small bowel obstruction, surgery, and so forth. My guest is Miss Deepa Chohan Patel, the wife of Dr. Sachin Patel, who has been on the podcast before and a classically trained pharmacist turned functional medicine clinic helper extraordinaire slash holistic pharmacist who actually helps people get off of medication now and live an amazing life as part of the Living Proof team. And it came to pass when I was talking to a friend who is another Living Proof member, it came to our understanding that um, me and Deepa had the similar experience of having bowel obstructions, small bowel obstructions caused by surgery, and that she actually was going down to the same place, Clear Passages, in Gainesville, Florida, that I had been to three years ago. And so naturally, I wanted to reach out and talk more about this, and I figured let's do a podcast because this is a topic that affects a lot of people, and a lot of people go through the cycle of surgery after surgery after surgery to never really get better. And all they end up with is a mangled digestive tract, more and more scar tissue, sometimes a feeding tube in the worst case, and a really terrible quality of life. And so when I personally had my first bowel obstruction and ended up in the hospital for two days, I swore to myself that I would do everything I possibly could before surgery to prevent this from happening again. Luckily, I found clear passages. I went down there, had a week of treatment, and my life has never been the same. So me and Deepa dive into her journey, what happened that led her to having small bowel obstructions, as well as what has worked for her. We share some notes on what has worked for her, and this is going to be part one of a two-parter. We're going to release part two probably in a couple of weeks, and that will be following up. So that'll be the follow-up to uh, her her time down at Clear Passages. So we'll have sort of a before and after and be able to talk about what worked, how it was, the whole experience, and share that with y'all. And even if you've never had bowel obstructions, listen in because scar tissue affects us all and our body is constantly making scar tissue anytime we suffer a trauma of any sort. So if you have limited mobility in your back or your shoulders or your knees or your hips, there's likely some scar tissue and some adhesions that are sticking your tissues together. And by doing some really deep manual therapy, combining different supplements, different herbs, different protocols. You can really help to unwind a lot of that, break it down and bring back more ease, more mobility, more relaxation to your tissues, which is good for everybody. So I hope you enjoy. Again, if you want to hop into iTunes, give us a like, rating, review, all that good love. Share this on social media, comment. If you've been through something like this and want to chat, send me an email and let's keep the conversation going. Enjoy this interview, and I'll catch you next time. Peace. We are here in the lovely office of Mrs. Deepa... How do you say name? Chohan. Chohan. Chohan Chohan Patel, the better half of our friend, Dr. Sachin Patel, running the the behind-the-scenes at the Living Proof Institute. And... um, Today, we're going to talk about quite a few things, I imagine, but p- particularly about something that you and I have in common that uh, is not um, is not a very common thing, right? I imagine like worldwide, we're part of a kind of a small club mm-hmm. of people who have experienced the type of medical you know, challenge, health issue, whatever you want to call it, that we've experienced. And so I'm excited to be able to dive into some of that and be able to share what's worked and just how the journey has been offers support ideally for some people who might be still going through it and still have no hope or stuck in the old model of treating things um, but we'll get into all that in a good time first i would love to just start with a bit of your journey and um, sort of how you came to be doing what you're doing and uh, what your background is, I and mean, you have a background in more of the traditional side of healthcare, um, so I would just love to to get a bit of that story if we could.
1: Okay, sure. So um, I am a pharmacist by training, and I guess uh, I first got introduced to functional medicine through my husband, Dr. Sachin Patel, and at the time I was working in an acute care setting. I was working in a um, hospital pharmacy uh, in the oncology department, so. Um, at the time, you know, it kind of piqued my interest, and I was learning a little bit more about it through him. But I didn't really delve right into the actual uh, experience of functional medicine because, as I had mentioned, um, the patients I was I was seeing at the time were more acutely ill. They were mainly admitted to the hospital for complications of chemotherapy, whether it be excessive nausea and vomiting, and therefore dehydration, or low white blood cell count, um, or many of the other complications that can occur from chemotherapy, and also as a result of the progression of their disease. So um, it was hard for me to implement A lot of the uh, lifestyle factors that are involved with functional medicine in terms of, you know, healthy diet and things like that. I tried to educate patients as much as I could, but at the time I was really bound by a lot of the hospital protocols. So it was hard for me to expand. Um, And then after I had worked at the hospital, um, I moved to the U.S. To be with my husband. And at that time, I started um, working in community pharmacy because I had to get relicensed as a pharmacist there. And, you know, I started, uh, I saw, you know, same thing, a lot of people coming in for prescriptions for chronic health conditions, things that could be addressed more naturally. But once again, when you're in a community care setting, people just want their medication and they want to be out the door. It's, you to get very little patient interaction and there really is no time for you to go in deeper with these patients. And then I worked in mail order pharmacy and um, I worked in the call center and answered a lot of more clinical type of questions but in the end of the day it was the same type of thing. You know um, I, saw, I spoke to a lot of elderly patients at the time and they were all complaining about the side effects of the medication or the cost and it just felt like There really was no um, resolution of the root cause of a lot of their conditions, it was just a lot of symptom management. And then at the time I was pregnant when I was working at mail order pharmacy and um, I had a very healthy pregnancy, I had a personal trainer three days a week so I was very active Um, You know, I didn't really have any quote-unquote symptoms of pregnancy. I had uh, a lot of energy and uh, it was a very smooth pregnancy. And I guess for me, my journey really started, um, I guess, in terms of the delivery of my son. So, um, I had a lot of complications during my delivery and my labor. Um, I was in labor for over 48 hours and then they had finally decided to do an emergency C-section. And I guess um, after my son was delivered after the emergency C-section, they discovered that I had an infection in my uterus and I pretty much was uh, had life-threatening bleeding, so it's called postpartum, postpartum hemorrhage. And so um, it was an emergency situation and um, they had tried different measures to stop the bleeding, but really they didn't have time to... To really explore a lot of options because I was bleeding so much so in the end they just ended up um, I guess doing a hysterectomy and um, to pretty much save my life and so because uh, the hysterectomy and the c-section were quote-unquote messy procedures um, they were done very rapidly um, I guess I suffered some of the complications as a result of that so Uh, Some of the complications that can occur post C section, which is very common, is uh, the potential to develop small bowel obstruction. So, um, the week that I, uh, the week postpartum, I felt very nauseous, Um, I couldn't keep any food down. Um, I couldn't pass bowel movement, I um, had lost a lot of blood too, so I had to have um, iron transfusions. I was very fatigued. I was so fatigued that it sounds weird to say, but I didn't really even have the energy to love my baby because I just was so drained. Um, So it was a pretty tough week, and so they had told me that Uh, based on x-rays, that I might have something called an ileus, which is basically uh, slowing down of the bowel. And so um, they said, we can just watch and wait and see if it improves. Typically, these things will spontaneously resolve. And it had been a week that I was in the hospital, and I started feeling slightly better. Um, I guess I I wasn't 100% better, but at that point... It was August, it was bright and sunny outside, I just had a new baby and I was trapped in this hospital so I just wanted to get home. Um, so I got home and I still didn't feel that well. I vomited twice while I was at home and then two days after I had um, been discharged home, I had um, severe abdominal pain to the point where I couldn't even sit still. I was rocking back and forth on my couch and. Uh, My stomach was very distended and I just did not feel well and uh, the doctor that had done the, actually it wasn't the doctor that did the emergency C-section, but it was the doctor um, that had seen me on the Saturday night. He was the um, gynecologist and obstetrician that was on call on the Saturday night. Um, I guess going back a little bit, I should have had the C-section probably on the Saturday night. which could have prevented the infection from getting so bad, but he had refused to come in. So I guess he felt as though he kind of made a mistake. And so he gave me his phone number and he said that if anything happens when you get home, make sure that you call me. And so I called him, he directly admitted me, so I didn't have to go through the whole ER process. Um, So I got directly admitted, I had a CT scan and basically they told me that I had a small bowel obstruction. So um, they told me that um, it can spontaneously resolve in some cases, and in some cases um, you will require surgery. So of course they always take the more conservative measures. So we waited probably, I think it was about five or six days. Um, I was on IV nutrition and um, because obviously you can't eat anything when you have an obstruction because you have to give the bowel a rest and it's obstructed so no food can pass through. And um, I guess we weren't seeing any progress so I had to have surgery again. And when um, when they opened me up, they saw that I had a lot of adhesions. So adhesions basically are collagen, fibrous type tissues that form post-surgically it's a natural process of healing and so um, I had formed a lot of adhesions post-c-section, post-hysterectomy and so um, they had to pretty much cut all these adhesions to resolve the bowel obstruction. Um, so that happened and then post-surgically I thought that I could just carry on with normal life. but. Post surgically, it was a healing journey for me because I pretty much had to wait for my bowels to start working again, which does take some time. It can take anywhere from a week to two weeks or even longer. Um, So, you know, post surgically, I was getting very anxious and I just, you know, once again wanted to go home and be with my son. This had almost been three to four weeks that I was away from him. I mean, I was fortunate that I had the help of my parents and my in-laws and they would bring my son to the hospital every day so I could see him. Um, but pretty much once I got home, I, um, and I was able to eat, I started eating, you know, in terms of quantity more and more each day, but my primary focus was my son at the time. And, um, you know, just, being able to nurse him and breastfeed him because I hadn't been able to nurse him because I was on so many medications and antibiotics while I was in the hospital. And so um, that was a whole other journey in and of itself, but pretty much once my son was born and all this had happened to me, that's when I really started to dive deeper into functional medicine and really healing my body post-surgically. And um, that's when I, you know, took the course to become certified as a functional
0: medicine practitioner and really help myself first. Mm. Yeah, it's amazing the the trend amongst us, you know, natural slash alternative functional practitioners, how so many of us, you know, the system fails us in one way or another. And uh, it it's becomes our, you know, our primary um, job essentially in life is to get ourselves back to wellness, back mm-hmm. to some state of health. And that's when, for me, that's when I really started to realize just how backwards things were and how ill-equipped um, the current system was to deal with the actual healing process, mm-hmm. um, right? Because my, my uh, the commonality here is that after I had my appendix rupture, which was misdiagnosed the first time I went into the hospital and then I finally got surgery, um, I ended up also with, uh, Obstructed bowel and mine took a lot longer to manifest maybe it was over a year until that actually like you know stopped everything moving um, But it's just uh, That's why I love to to connect with other people and to share these stories because there's that that common core sort of truth of okay Mother nature the universe whatever is giving us signals right that something's not right um, And then it's up to us to really okay now how do we work with nature how do we work with complementary means of addressing this so that we're not just um you know beholden to surgery right Mm -hmm. which is the allopathic um, essentially that's all they offer right Mm -hmm. liquid liquid nutrition iv nutrition surgery and so if we could just dive back a little little bit i want to just better understand like where you're at. So during a 48 hour labor, mm-hmm. I imagine is pretty intense on its own, mm-hmm. right? So were you really like aware of what was going on? Like when they said, okay, we have to do this surgery. We have to do this hysterectomy. Does that really sink in in that moment? Or it's just like, do what you got to do. Get me through this.
1: So, um, I guess just to give you some background information, uh, we wanted to have a natural birth. So we had a doula, which is basically kind of like a, a birthing assistant who helps guide you through the whole birthing process. So I, you know, I was so fortunate to have her because we lived in Cincinnati in the U.S. and I didn't have any family. So I needed a female support um, as I was going through the birthing process and, you know, throughout my pregnancy as well. So it was... Very fortunate to have her by my side during the whole process, but um, I guess what happened for me is uh, my water broke and I was at work and um, basically my doula had advised me not to go to the hospital right away. She said let's wait for the contractions to kick in a little bit because typically they want to induce you right away if your water breaks. Um, So we ended up going to the hospital early, this was on a Friday that my water broke. We ended up going to the hospital early Saturday morning, probably about 4 a.m. And um, they told me, you know, I wasn't, I still didn't have contractions um, and I wasn't dilating. So they told me just walk around, the walking process helps um, to help you dilate. And I still wasn't dilating, so it had almost been less than a little bit less than 24 hours and at that point I guess that's when they had to intervene so um, they ended up inducing me with oxytocin and so I got induced and when you get induced that artificially stimulates contractions and a normal natural contraction kind of has a slow progression towards the contraction and then a, a slow downfall and then you you know you have another contraction later so it's Um, not as intense but when they artificially um, induce you then your contractions are very intense and there's no work up to the contraction so um, it was very 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 painful and so I ended up getting the epidural and so the whole process just started to kind of snowball more and more away from natural birthing to more conventional methods and at the time I wasn't set that you know I have to have a natural birth obviously if intervention was required I was open to it Um, so at the time you know I I I was more than happy to receive the epidural because my pain was so intense Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Um, and so basically through that whole process um, you know had my doula which helped um, help me understand some of the interventions and some of the things that were going on but I um, I guess in terms of when they told me that I had to have a hysterectomy, it was an emergency situation. I mean, I knew that something was wrong because after my son was delivered after the C-section, they pretty much were calling a code almost because I was bleeding so much and they tried to stop the bleeding with medications and because I'm a pharmacist, I recognize the name of the medication and what it was used for, so I knew that it was used to stop bleeding. But because um, I guess the medication didn't work, uh, the doctor had pretty much told me to just have faith in God and before I knew it, I was under general anesthesia and I didn't really have time to process it, so everything just happened really fast because mm-hmm. they were just trying to save my life at that point. So. I'm forever indebted to the medical system for saving my life. But I guess, you know, uh, post-surgically, there was literally no follow-up. I had just the regular six-week checkup with um, with my OB. And then I had, um, I think I had one follow-up with the general surgeon after I had my small bowel obstruction. Mm-hmm. And then that was it, really. So... You're kind of left out there to deal with all this on your own. And, um, you know, it's just it's just sad to see that there's no follow-up mm-hmm. afterwards. Well, so, well, and I'm
0: in the exact same boat, right? Yeah. Uh, if it wasn't for, you know, allopathic medicine and surgery, I'd mm-hmm. be dead. You know, mm-hmm. I would have been dead at 18.
2: Exactly. <laughs> due to my,
0: you know, chronically unhealthy lifestyle and chronic constipation growing up and mm-hmm. just eating junk and not... not not being in tune with my body at all. And so the medical system, you know, it keeps us alive, but it doesn't teach us how to be well.
2: Yes. And
0: that's where the real, you know, not to say one's more important than another, but if we knew how to be well, we could avoid many of these procedures is my, you know, my belief. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, yeah, we're not against, right? Just to, just to make it clear, if anyone's listening, yes. if any doctors are listening, we're not <laughs> we're not anti-medicine, we're not anti-surgery, but we're pro-health, we're pro-wellness, right? And so um, really seeing integrated models come up, um, whether those are the ones that you are creating, that you guys mm-hmm. are creating at Living Proof, um, and just all the work that's being done in our, in our, in our field, in our world, like, that's what we're really pushing towards. And we all want, like, we're all on the same team, essentially, mm-hmm. right? We want people to be healthy. We want people to be happy. We want people to, um, you know, not have suffering. Unnecessary suffering mm-hmm. is really what gets me, right? It was, and it was it was my own journey through that. And then seeing also my parents and family members go through things that really convinced me to make the switch into this full time because I was going to be an engineer. Mm-hmm. Right? That was the path I was on. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. So it's amazing what, uh, what life will bring your way, right, yeah, to, sure. to sort of steer you in a different direction. Mm-hmm. So getting back to, to uh, you know, processing the whole thing or getting getting out of there and just being on our own. Um, you said it was about a week. It was a week. It was the next week that already the adhesions were were causing obstruction. Uh,
1: yeah, so after my um, C section and hysterectomy, it was, yeah. Pretty much immediately. Pretty much immediately that the adhesions were, were forming.
0: Mm. That's interesting. I had never, I guess I had assumed it takes longer. Mm-hmm. I guess that's what they told me, or that the scar will form over time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know what they offered you. I mean, for me, they offered aesthetic treatments for the yes. scar. Um in the form of vitamin E, which is cool.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And bio oil. Mm -hmm. Did they give you the do they tell the Yeah? Which is like mineral oil and other stuff.
2: Yes. I'm pretty
0: sure it gave me a mole that was growing very (laughs) very quickly, so I quickly stopped doing that.
1: Yes.
0: Um but it's not like they're bad people, you know, that's just what they know.
1: Yes. Yes. Um
0: and so how we even came to know that we shared this in common this this bowel obstruction you know journey was because i was at lunch with uh tiberius yes. and i told him about my time at clear passages yes. right which is where you're gearing up to go next month yes um and so clear passages for those that don't know is a pioneer really um and larry and belinda Wern are just fantastic people who have developed the process to reverse adhesions through manual therapy, right? Which to me is much more elegant than just cutting them away. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you understand, understand scar tissue, you understand that trauma is what creates scar tissue. And so surgery can never, you know, by definition, it can never mm-hmm. solve the issue.
1: Because it's just gonna happen again with the next surgery. So mm-hmm. it's kind of a self-perpetuating cycle. S- exactly.
0: Mm-hmm. And so, well, we'll get more into the clear passages stuff because I had a phenomenal experience there and I'm looking forward to, you know, seeing what, what shifts in you after going there and the tools that they'll empower you with. Um, because for me, I was fortunate enough to, to not have surgery, like mine cleared. I had a bob section and it cleared on its own, luckily, after, you know, emptying myself from, from the front end and being on IV nutrition. Not IV, just liquids, rather. Mm -hmm. But but so it was, I guess, two or three years later, because it was then earlier this year, if I'm correct.
1: Six years later. Six years later.
0: Okay. So life, so okay, so we have the first surgery, and then you're sort of left on your own. And so you go back to normal, you know, quote, unquote, Mm -hmm. normal life, I imagine. And there wasn't really a thought about what I can do to prevent this or help this Mm -hmm. along. And then six years, and did you have symptoms that lingered throughout the time or nothing?
1: No, nothing. So for me, it was, um, you know, like I said, after the small bowel obstruction surgery, I came home and my primary focus was my son. And so, I mean, with functional medicine, I did do some testing to, you know, optimize my health. Um, And the general surgeon had told me that the rate of recurrence of bowel obstruction is up to 25 to 30% post-surgically. But I didn't really give it much thought. You know, I just thought that this is not gonna happen to me. I tried to focus on the positives, so I said, Oh well there's a you know 70 to 75 percent chance that I won't have one rather than focusing on the twenty-five to thirty percent chance of having one. But Pretty much this August, the bowel obstruction reoccurred. And, um, you know, sometimes it can just spontaneously reoccur due to old adhesions that might have formed from that surgery. Um, I'm not sure if there were any triggers that kind of made my bowel loop in a different way to obstruct it again. There were some things that week that happened which I mean, it wasn't anything crazy. Like, I was at the gym, I was doing a leg press, and I was, um, you know, lifting a little bit more heavy than I usually do. And just because of the way I was positioned when I was doing the leg press, I don't know if that could have looped my bowel in any way. Um, the night before, I had a meal that was overly oniony and overly garlicky. And I don't know if that triggered it to, to, um, You know twist in a weird way Um, so basically I had um, in August I had a lot of nausea and vomiting on the Saturday and um, I was out at a park with my cousin who was here from England and I was just feeling um, a little bit of stomach cramping I was feeling a bit nauseous And um, I thought that it would just resolve. I felt like I had to vomit. So when I got home, I basically made myself vomit. I ended up vomiting about, uh, you know, five to six times. And I didn't feel any better. I kind of felt worse. And so um, I told Sachin that, you know, I don't know what's going on. I think we're going to have to go to the hospital. So we ended up going to the hospital. When they finally admitted me in the ER, uh, they did an X-ray and the X-ray found some bowel gas and found that um, I did have an obstruction again. So, because of the way they did a CT scan as well, um, and because of the way they saw that the bowel was looped, it looked like pretty much like a sausage. So it looked very tight Mm. to the point that it, like, they were afraid that it was going to burst or rupture. So. I had to have surgery that same night, and when the surgeon went in, he said there were a lot of adhesions, and pretty much um, the surgery that they did was just to lice the adhesions. I was fortunate both times that they didn't have to resect any of the bowel. So they went in again and told me um, that they lyced all the adhesions, so it's like we had talked about, it's, they're preventing one problem, but then, that same problem was just going to reoccur because with surgery, adhesions are going to form naturally again. Mm -hmm. So this time around, because I didn't have to worry about a newborn, I said, you know what, I'm going to focus on myself. And that's when I really started digging into a lot of research in terms of how to prevent adhesions from reoccurring because the surgeons, when you ask them, how can you prevent this? They just say, there's nothing you can do to prevent it. They give you no hope or no information because they themselves don't know because their primary focus is just doing the surgery and if you talk to anyone you know within the field they don't really know how to prevent adhesions it's they say it just happens and you know just luck of the draw it could happen to you again and so that was quite frustrating for me um and this time around, it was, you know, I took things a little more seriously instead of just, uh, I, I wouldn't say that I ignored it last time, but I, I didn't focus on it a lot last time. So this time around, I really made sure that I, I, um, did a lot of research to, to see how I could, um, prevent it. And that's when I, myself came across clear passages. And then, as you had mentioned, I had told Tibby about it. And I think, through your discussion with him at the lunch you guys were having he had told you that i was thinking of going to this clinic and um i guess that's how you and i had connected and found that we had this commonality so
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: yeah
0: yeah and so um from there i mean it's really amazing you know how how little you know knowledge and awareness around this issue is there because you know, with the amount of surgery that's happening, everybody essentially, well, everyone in general is dealing with some level of adhered tissue, right? Mm-hmm. Because we're stiff, we sit too much, mm-hmm. we have accidents, we're rough as kids or whatever. Every time you have any sort of trauma mm-hmm. or even a posture, right? Mm-hmm. And this is one of the things that I'll never forget that Larry told me. Um, I mean, I'm indebted to those guys for many things and also for giving me my foundational understanding of fascia mm-hmm. and the whole fascial network, right? This web Right? So people, if you can picture this, it's like this, there's this web that literally encases and connects all of our tissues and like holds us together. And anytime that we have stresses or injuries, more of those fibers get laid down, right? So then things get stronger and stronger and more rigid over time. And so I remember him telling me, because I've had low back pain since like the fifth, not the fifth, like the eighth grade. Um, due to a number of things, you know, sitting too much, flat feet, weak core, all the all the typical things. And I remember him telling me that every time you're in pain, you're actually re-injuring yourself, right? Anytime you're experiencing pain, you're re-injuring the tissue. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, how that ties in to the whole, you know, adhesion thing, or just the fact that everyone is dealing with this and no one knows what to do, really. Um, Besides things like massage, and people understand, you know, massage for tight muscles um, or knots in your muscles and stuff, that's common. But we don't have the same approach for Mm -hmm. post-surgery. And so bringing this awareness to more people, I think, is just so important, right? And that's why Mm -hmm. I love to chat about this and to share the work that Clear Passages is doing. Because they essentially, um, and a little bit of a background for those that are listening, they've essentially through necessity as well, right? Because Belinda had some, um, I believe she was infertile Mm -hmm. and had some serious stuff going on because of her own uh, surgical past. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And because they were physical therapists and massage therapists, they started, you know, tinkering around and they knew osteopaths. And there's like, there's got to be a way that we can manipulate this, right? To help things to open up and to relax. And so that's been their whole journey. And they've developed now this program that's all manual therapy, mm-hmm. right? To, to relax and unwind these fibers. Um, and so that's, that's really the core. And I love it because it's such a, anyone can do it, mm-hmm. right? You don't need a ton of money. I mean, to go and see them costs a fair amount, but it's an investment that I would highly suggest people make if they're in that position. I remember for me, you know, I got home from the hospital after knowing, okay, this these are adhesions. Right? I had had months and months of this pain and not knowing what's going on. And so when they finally tell me, okay, you've got adhesions, the first thing I did when I got home, because I was so determined not to go back under the knife, was to start Googling. Yes. And I find clear passages and I just knew, I knew, okay, that's, that's where yes. I have to go.
1: Same with me. That's right. Yeah. I ha- yeah. Yeah, that's, I was, you know, I I just knew that uh, I can't, you know, I can't go through this experience again. It just can't happen again. So same thing, I got home and uh, I started Googling um, and, you know, of course, because this is my second time, the rate of occurrence potentially is more than it originally was. So from 25% to potentially 30, 35%. And when I went on the Clear Passage website, it said that it can decrease um, the rate of recurrence from 30% to 3%. So I said, that basically is invaluable to me. You can't even put a price tag on that. And, you know, I had just made up my mind that this is where I need to go. So I, you know, because um, one of the contraindications to going is Surgery, so you have to wait ninety days post surgery to go, which is why I'm not going until November. Uh, but in the meantime, in between, like I've done other, you know, and still am doing other things to kind of prevent adhesions and scar tissue from forming. So, you know, this time around, I've I've uh, really taken a lot of action and you know made investments to do things to to help. Uh, prevent adhesions and scar tissue from forming
0: yeah and so I would love to just dive into what some of those are some of what you found to be most helpful Mm -hmm. um, and I'll share what's been most helpful for me and we can kind of just get um, you know just some ideas for people and by no means this is not medical advice you know this is just information Um, use it or don't use it as you will we are not responsible. I have to put like a disclaimer yes. in the beginning
1: <laughs> of this one. I mean, the nice thing about a lot of these therapies is that there really are no side effects. So, um, so pretty much right after my surgery, about a week or two later, because this time I, my healing journey took much longer. this the first time after my son, I think just because I knew that I had to, you know, provide for him for this little baby who you know, was pretty much dependent on me. Um, I felt like I was back on my feet pretty quickly, but this time around, it took me a, a lot longer, especially it took me a lot longer to be able to keep food down and to reintroduce food back into my diet. Um, I just felt very bloated, even if I just ate, you know, not even an egg, like half an egg is the most I could eat at a time. So it took me much longer in the beginning um, but then, you know, once I started implementing a lot of these modalities, I felt like I was back to normal within like five weeks, four or five weeks post-surgically. So, you know, initially it took a while, but then once once I started, you know, um, implementing a lot of therapies to help myself heal, I was I was back on my feet. I would say pretty care quickly, uh, post-surgically. So some of those things I did, uh, number one, I did hyperbaric oxygen. And so hyperbaric oxygen is pretty much, you go into a chamber and basically they infuse oxygen at a much higher pressure, um, into this chamber and you sit in the chamber for, um, I believe it was an hour and a half at a time. And I did 12 sessions of that, and so the, the oxygen therapy is very healing. It's, it's supposed to help, um, basically, uh, basically oxygenate your tissues and your mitochondria, and um, it helps speed wound healing and helps uh, decrease scar tissue. So. Um, That was the number one thing I did. I Mm. did a few sessions of acupuncture, and acupuncture helps to increase blood flow to the area, and so that's supposed to help decrease scar tissue as well. Mm. Um, I'm taking proteolytic enzymes. So proteolytic enzymes, when taken on an empty stomach, are supposed to help decrease scar tissue. Um, I'm using a cold laser. So... Cold laser basically is uh, a light therapy, so um, cold laser is supposed to help with wound healing and help decreasing scar tissue as well, and then we invested in the infrared sauna, so I do sauna about three to four times a week, and infrared therapy and infrared light is supposed to be um, very healing for the body um, and help with... You know, just speeding up healing as well. So that's what I'm doing as well. And then the next thing is basically going to clear passage. So that'll be um, two weeks. To, less than two weeks, I'll be going. Exciting. Yeah. So I'm Exciting. really excited about
0: that. Yeah, I think you're gonna have quite quite the time. And I mean, not to make it sound like it's all you know roses and whatnot, because it's mm-hmm. it's intense, right? Mm-hmm. You're doing you're doing very very deep tissue long hold massage right so it can be painful uncomfortable at times um but the amount of for myself the amount of openness and and ability really to breathe like for me that's the biggest thing right because i had i had what's called a a, a laparotomy exploratory Mm -hmm. laparotomy so they go right down from just under the ribs to just below the belly button so the whole diaphragm is all in there right and Mm -hmm. so That's been my main thing is not being able to breathe properly, which then leads to, I mean, you can look at the more, um, you know, energetic level and like the third chakra Mm -hmm. being tied up in there. And so not being able, not feeling powerful or being Mm -hmm. able to exert your will in the world, Mm -hmm. which has been sort of my journey. And so I love seeing how they correlate and how the deeper I go with the healing work, then the freer I am to really be out in the world.
1: Mm hmm
0: which I just find endlessly fascinating.
1: Yes. Yeah, so I, you know, even um, after the second surgery, I kind of uh, was diving a lot into the energy work as well with pretty much, you know, um, looking into chakras and unraveling some of the tension and um, I guess, why the energy flow is stagnating in that particular area of my body. So the chakra that's um, associated with the abdomen is the fifth chakra, right? Is it? Is it? No. It's well, the know... um, solar plexus. It's well, the solar plexus. Yeah. So it's not the root chakra. It's the one above that.
0: Two above, right? So the third. That's I imagine, right, the third. Yeah, I imagine yes, the second right. is tied in there too.
1: Yes, the second is tied right? in there as well. So mm-hmm. um, it's the second and the third, which are kind of tied in there. So I've, you know, looked into a lot of, um, I mean, I haven't done, let's say Reiki or anything like that per se, but that's definitely something that I want to look into as well a mm-hmm.
0: little bit. yeah and for me i've been skeptical of reiki in yes. the past and i mean coming from a very scientific background yes um
1: me as well yes <laughs>
0: yeah and so i mean i have a lot of friends that are practitioners um and who speak highly of it yes and i don't know it's the whole chicken and the egg thing because i was once going out with some friends for a friend's birthday and uh one of my friends dana noticed i had um, something going on with my shoulder.
1: Okay.
0: And my right shoulders had issues for forever, pretty much from throwing as a kid okay. and never stretching, never warming up, never yes. cooling down, just throwing yeah. as hard as I could. Right. <laughs> and she's like, do you mind if I do some, you know, work on your shoulder? So she does this like, you know, pulling stuff out and da da da. And I said, you know, I said, thank you. And then the next like two weeks, and this is why I say chicken and the egg. What, what's what's first? I I don't know if it's because she did that that it prompted me to do these other things. Okay. But I found some stretches and some different, like, postures that I had never found before that really brought more openness to the whole thing. Yes. That I believe was stimulated by her doing the energy work beforehand. So Mm -hmm.
1: it's just cool how all this stuff interacts. I mean, the way I look at it is it's not going to harm me. It'll just help me. And I think for a lot of these things to work, you have to believe that they're going to work. Mm-hmm. So I've been a lot more open to it, even though I come from a very scientific background as a pharmacist. So, um, you know, cause like I said, I just, my whole thing is just preventing this from happening again. So whatever it takes, I'll, I'll do it.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so a few other things, but I mean, after the manual therapy, right? So that's like you're doing. It's probably the twenty hour. Yes. Yeah. So, so twenty, so 20 hours. hours of massage in one week, right? So it's a lot. Mm-hmm. It's a lot, and uh, just taking it super easy, and you know, drinking tons of fluids, drink, getting lots of nutrition, lots of fresh air, lots of walking, um, and not. I remember when I was there, it was so hard for me to not exercise because they said you can't exercise for the next like week oh, or wow. two, right? Okay. Because you don't want to increase more tension yes. into the area. Um, so that was tricky for me. That was, I think, the beginning of um, recognizing a slight exercise addiction yeah. that I may I may have had in the past. Um, Cause yeah, it's not easy to just like take it easy. Mm-hmm. Right? In our world, we're so go, go, go. Yes. What's next? What's next? Yes. Um, you know, very young in terms of energies. Mm-hmm. So to, to go into the yin mode and just receive mm-hmm. and heal and restore. So necessary. Yes. Right. So
1: I think that's like, you know, I always believe that things happen to us to teach us a lesson. And I definitely think that that's one of the lessons that I need to learn because I'm always go, go, go. And, you know, just that's what been one of the biggest lessons is taking time for myself and Mm -hmm. making sure that I'm, you know, functioning optimally so I can take care of others. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah yeah put on your own mask first yeah right in, in the airplane yes. um and yeah so i'll just share i guess a few of the things that we had talked about before but also that might just be of help for people and one of the biggest ones for me was castor oil mm-hmm. packs
1: yes i forgot to mention i did that as well but mm. i guess why don't you expand a little bit
0: yeah and so castor oil packs i first came to them through edgar casey who was like a how you call him a medical intuitive of sorts, very spiritual person, and he wrote about them primarily on the liver for treating cancer, right? Because as we all know, cancer a um, very complex you know set of symptoms, but one of the main things is that the liver is just not functioning well enough to clear toxicity from mm-hmm. the body. Um, And so by putting castor oil, essentially what a castor oil pack is, is you get a piece of natural fabric undyed, saturate it with the oil. And the castor oil itself is a really fascinating oil. Um, And it also goes by the name of Palma de Christi, or Cristo, um, like the Palm of Christ. I think it's Italian for the Palm of Christ, just because it's such a healing oil. And so you saturate this fabric and then put it on the area, warm it up usually, and then apply uh, some saran wrap or something, and then apply heat, right? And mm-hmm. just let it sort of sit there and do its thing, and it really brings a lot of circulation and uh, flexibility or pliability to the tissues. So that can be huge, and it's, it's a nice excuse, right? As we said, for self-care to like plop yourself down for you know half an hour, an hour, and just be, you know, just sit there, maybe read, maybe meditate, maybe take a nap. So that's that's great great, great stuff. Um, A few other things that I've played with are DMSO, uh, combined with magnesium, uh, liquid magnesium. Magnesium being the relaxing mineral that we're all in such need of. Um, And that's been pretty cool. I haven't been able to do a really systematic approach um, in terms of my main scar. I've done it on other little scars and other little wounds that didn't really heal it properly and it seems to bring a lot of improvement Um, and for those listening they'll have links to all this stuff in the show notes and DMSO is interesting because it's not really approved for human use for much Um, so I had to buy it from a veterinary supply store online Um, but it's incredibly non-toxic there's a fantastic book called DMSO Nature's Healer that uh, I mean some of the research they cite from anything from treating strokes to treating cancer, when combined with other things, like it's just amazing stuff. Amazing, amazing stuff. And also the proteolytic enzymes, I did a lot of those at one point. Um, And I found that doing a whole bunch right before a yoga class or right before a massage, maybe it's just because I believed it, but it felt like things were Breaking down a little bit more, like the, like the adhesions were breaking down that little bit more, which makes sense because mm-hmm. they're in circulation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so those have been my main things. And then really just staying on the, the massage, right? Mm-hmm. The massage and the stretching and, and rehabilitation exercises. Um, so
1: which, they give those to you mm-hmm. to do at home.
0: Exactly. So they'll go through and walk you through them and demo them with you. Um, give you a tool or two to take home. Like my main tool of choice has been a softball. Um, And so literally I'm just lying down on my yoga mat, face down, softball in my belly, and finding where it feels tight and breathing into it. Um, And I've spent countless hours now in that position, usually with a podcast going, and usually with some cannabis in my system to ease the tension and just to be able to deal with the discomfort. Um, but it it can be that simple, right? It's like, it just reminds me of how the body is made to be well, right? And it, it talks to us. Mm -hmm. And so when there's tension or when there's pain, it's like, it's like saying like, you know, look at me, look at me, like something's going on here. And just by directing our intention and our touch, um, we can, we can do so much, Mm -hmm. um, and just lastly, just to wrap up the clear passage of stuff, essentially what we're doing or what they've shown to be effective is 90 seconds or more, like minimum of 90 seconds or more, um, of applied of, of, pressure in order to really let the tissues unwind, begin to really unwind. Um, and I found for myself, whether it's stretching or whether it's massage, when I do that extended, extended hold, it really opens up new areas that just don't seem to get accessed with like 30 to 60 seconds even, which for a lot of people sounds like a long time to stretch, right? Mm -hmm. Most people think like 10 seconds stretch Mm -hmm. is enough, which is better than nothing, you know, be where you're at. But um, when you really hold, first of all, it's like a meditation in itself, right? For people that say, oh, I can't meditate. It's like, you need something more active? Okay, well, this is more active um, and engaging. And it's just breathe and be with it and breathe and be with it. And uh, applying that to anything, whether you're giving yourself a massage with some lacrosse balls, or you're doing some stretching, some some like deep, deep yoga type of stretching, that ninety seconds really just opens things up. Um, And so, yeah. So we've we got through a bunch of things there, and also one of a few things I want to go back on the acupuncture. I believe you had said you'd tried the electro acupuncture. Mm At some point, what was your experience like with that?
1: Um, so it's basically a friend of mine who did the acupuncture on me and the way he describes it is acupuncture on steroids. So it just makes it, uh, that much more effective. I guess it enhances the experience a little bit more. Um, I don't know if I felt any difference per se from traditional acupuncture to the electroacupuncture, but, um, I'm sure it was doing something on a biochemical level Mm. that I'm maybe not aware of, but I just did that the one time. So maybe I needed a few more sessions of it.
0: Mm. Yeah. And that's something I've heard, um, more, more so from the athletic realm Mm is like really, really, really effective. Mm -hmm. I've never done it myself, but I intend to, um, because, yeah, current, right? Even low-level yes. currents, which is the whole other thing which ties into magnetism and mm-hmm. that whole side of our biology. Um, like light is a very, very underutilized and potent and relatively safe tool, yes. right? And I remember it was something that I saw Um, That Sachin posted about how this year the things he's invested in the most have been light therapy, therapy, Mm -hmm. which is essentially just a form of vibration, a form Mm -hmm. of energetic, you know, pattern, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: which to me is like, that's the medicine of the future, Mm -hmm. really. And you see it, I think, more so in places like Mm -hmm. Germany, um, where they're really tapped in to like the cutting edge of Mm -hmm. of what, what works. So I'm excited for these things to, you know, continue to trickle down, for the awareness to keep spreading yes. about them.
1: Yeah, it's it's kind of unfortunate that the, the surgeons don't know a lot of this information to pass along to all their patients. So um, I had gone back to my surgeon because one of my stitches was, um, I guess, poking out, <laughs> so to speak. So I had to go back to get it trimmed. And I told him about clear passages and his response was, oh, sounds interesting. I'm skeptical, but I'll take a look into it. So
2: Mm.
1: I don't know. We'll see what he, I haven't, I mean, spoken to him or gone back. So I don't know if he actually, he sounded pretty interested. He sounded very skeptical as well, but I told him that, I mean, all I can see is benefits. Like I don't see any risks involved with the procedure per se, Mm -hmm. so... For me, it's it's an investment, but it sounds like there's lots of benefits to it, so I'm,
0: I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I mean, the story that I had heard um, that really convinced me to go there was of someone who had had like 12 surgeries or something wow. crazy and had her bowel restructured wow. a, a number of times to the point where she had to be on IV nutrition. Like she couldn't live without it. And that was her day-to-day life. And she had just been, you know, mangled essentially by surgery after mm-hmm. surgery after surgery. And that she had even found improvement. You know, after her week, she was able to eat like a burger or wow. something and not have pain, which is mm-hmm. crazy, right? Yeah. Um, so it's like, yeah, the power of touch. Yes. The power of touch
1: yes.
0: is yes. Uh, profound, profound. And one other thing i wanted to uh just put out there that i did a few times i'm pretty certain it had a positive effect but it's this whole idea that ties into you know stagnation of energy Mm -hmm. um and the idea that uh any scar that we have creates what's called an interference field um so if you look at you know the acupuncture meridian system it's all these lines that run throughout the body and transmit chi or energy And so it makes sense if you are to cut those Mm -hmm. and then have this, you know, um, somewhat disorganized tissue laying across it, that it's going to stop that flow. And so one of my teachers, um, Jennifer Papa Constantino from IHN, does what's called mud packing. Okay. And they take this mixture of volcanic minerals and... You activate it with a little bit of HCL and raw honey and aloe. It's this really cool mixture. And then apply it to scars. And um, it's supposed to pull. Also, apparently, a lot of toxicity can be stored in scars. um, Or just in tissues in general. That's why after, like, a massage, you're going to drink lots of water. Um, And so this mud is through many different ways. I think through, you know, electrical... Uh, the difference in charge and also just the different minerals and things that are in there, it pulls stuff out. And that was an interesting experience because I I physically felt my energy like collapsing. And the way she described it was my field was collapsing and you can't have the mud on there for too long because it is pulling so yes. much out. Um, but something for people to look into. Um, yeah, mud packing for interference fields. Okay. There's not a whole lot of people that do it. But there are a couple, um, and there's some pretty cool information out there. And you can do a simple version, essentially by taking a bath and putting clay or minerals or mud in Mm -hmm. the bath.
1: Bentonite
0: clay. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and get more of a systemic effect. Um, And then the other thing that I want to touch on was uh, a few essential oils, which I want to start mixing either with my DMSO or with the castor oil packs, one being frankincense, which is incredibly powerful, Mm -hmm. right? Um, apparently one of the highest vibrational um, oils or most potent healing oils, mm-hmm. which to me made sense, you know, growing up a Christian and, you know, mm-hmm. they give frankincense and myrrh yes. and gold to little baby Jesus. Um, it's just like, okay, there's a no reason for that. Yes. And uh, there's, there's, some, there's some gifts in those medicines that are to be rediscovered. And another one that I haven't tried yet, but a friend of mine who's very, very well schooled in essential oils told me about was, um, chamomile, okay. which when you think about chamomile, it's a relaxant, soothing, soothing mm-hmm. and she would actually mix either essential oil or tincture with her uh, compresses and use that on scars, um. And then the last thing that I've heard for more so for healing and for the prevention of the adhesion in the first place, which TMSO is pur- purported to do. And I mean, if you do the massage, essentially you probably only need massage and like some good castor oil to prevent these things, but just more tools for people to think about would be, um, uh, burdock root poultice. I believe is what it is. I think it's the root. Maybe it's the whole plant or maybe it's the leaf. I have to look that up and I'll include notes if I can find research. But I've heard that when people have, um, injuries, whether it's, it it could even be like a broken bone potentially, or like a serious trauma, serious scar, and you apply that poultice that it's almost miraculous in the, the results. And I mean, this is just, this is just what I've heard secondhand. So, you know, have a healthy level of skepticism around it. Um but different options, you know, different options. Mm-hmm. And so, I think we got everything there. Cold laser, sauna, sauna. Oh, yeah, so you guys got the sauna last month, was it? Yes. Okay, do you notice, I mean, for I've done infrared sauna a few times. I love, I mean, I love to sweat. I love, it gives you sort of a natural high. Yes. But... The peace of mind, like the clearness of mind yes. that it brings. Oh, it's it's yes. like, I feel like I'm a you Buddha get, master. Like,
1: you get the best sleep after. I usually do it uh, before I go to bed. Mm. And so I get amazing sleep. And um, for me, I don't sweat much. So for me to sweat, I feel like it's really pulling out a lot of toxins and... Uh, you know, very healing, so it's been
0: amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've really been enjoying it. Nice, mm-hmm. nice. Yeah, I'm I'm very close to building my own near infrared version, yes. which uh, at the conference I don't know if you saw at the conference, the Bulletproof conference, they had one in, in a tent. Oh, yes, it's essentially yes, 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 a board with four yes. bulbs on yeah. it. Very simple, right? So, if you're listening at home, I'm gonna include a link to this too, but you can build your own near infrared sauna, which isn't quite as beneficial as the full spectrum, but yeah. still for the price for like a couple hundred bucks or less, um, is an amazing value. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think this week actually I'm going to get that done. Okay. I need to get that done. But yeah, so lots to, lots to work with, right? Lots to work with, lots of complementary therapies out there, right? So if you're someone who's listening to this, who's either had surgery and had complications or has been told you might need surgery for these sorts of things or has struggled with, uh, obstructions and just over, you know, constriction and not being able to, to be yourself because all these things, at the end of the day, they're not allowing us to express who we are. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would just encourage you to, you know, be open, try things, experiment, um, and to not take your doctor's word as the final word and to not take the medical advice as gospel. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Um, and just to know that there are alternatives, even if they don't know about them, it doesn't mean they're not valid. Um, and that you don't have to suffer and that suffering is not, you know, that's not the, the sentence that has to come from these things that it can actually be your greatest gift as it has been for me. And so, uh, I just wanted to thank you for thank your you. time here, right, nice. and for being open and for sharing these things. I imagine, you know, this could be useful for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And especially seeing the the rates, and this is probably a whole other podcast, um, the rates of C-section births. Um, if you want to comment on that, now, by all means we can. But it's becoming just, you know, that's like the standard of care almost is yes. schedule a C-section and people are not... Uh, not aware of what that really means mm-hmm. i think um on many levels scar tissue on yes. the microbiome level yes. which is huge um but before okay so if you want to comment on that you can but i just wanted to yeah just acknowledge you for you know being on this path and being positive and, and having hope and moving forward and uh yeah sharing what you've been through and uh being part of this this amazing organization here and the work that you do behind the scenes that uh that i'm sure is integral to the success of living proof right so i just want to thank you for for the the woman and the healer and the mother and and wife that you are and just all these things that you show up as so thank you thank you brian
1: thank you i appreciate
0: Mm -hmm. it so We'll have to do a round two. Yes, After sure. you get after back. After I get back. After you get back, we'll yes. do a round two and we'll, yes. we'll dive into your experience. Um, and maybe then we can talk about uh, the craziness of C-sections. Yes. And the need for, uh, you know, inoculating the baby yes. with all of the
2: Lots of dirty, research. nasty yes. stuff
0: that, that we need as humans.
2: Yes.
0: Um, but until then, thank you for listening. Thank you for being here, Deepa. Thank you. And, uh, yeah. To all you out there, keep redefining reality and have a fantastic day. Peace.